Hey everybody, welcome to The Cinema Nerd Presents, the filmography of Charlie Kaufman. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here with the world's second best miniature painter, James. How are you, fella? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, it's, it's, what uh... is Synecdoche, New York? Oh, mate, it's right back into his, um, it's like uh, an, an analogy for emotion, like uh, human, those feelings that you have about inadequate, like being um, inadequate, uh, inadequacy and like uh, things being over, uh, out of your control and then being taken out of your control. It's like, it's like, it's like a rundown of life boiled down into to a theater show and then that is boiled down into a theater show <laughs> and then there's turtles all the way down you know like um yeah 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 it's it's very much a um a matryoshka babushka yeah. yeah that's it yeah matryoshka there it is yeah. thank you very much yeah it's uh an effort to communicate the totality of human experience maybe yeah so before we get into that, we'll talk about just a couple other things we've been watching. Uh, I'll jump into it because I know we're both a little wound up about election results, so not a lot of productive viewing or even escapism, but I did have to take a break. I, I, I figured I'd been doing too much considering uh, the future and decided to consider the coconut. <laughs> I watched Moana last night, just as like, I can't take any more of this. I need to go to a happy place. And it was last night that I realized Moana is almost certainly my favorite movie at this point in my life. It's, it's fucking brilliant. brilliant. It's really yeah. good. And I know we've talked about it before, but it's the movie that I watch most at this point. I think I've seen it three or four times this year. <laughs> I just put it on, you know? Really? Yeah, okay. seriously. It's it's very comforting for me. And I, I might, also think it's excellent. So I grew up, I think we've talked about it many times, but I grew up with these uh, stories, like the stories of Maui and the stories of like, like that's where I'm from. That's the stories that you kind of grow up with, like Maui lessoing the sun and stealing fire and stuff. So that's, it's cool to have you're a welcome. movie. Yeah, you're welcome. But it's really well made. I like that there's, there's like far fewer of the Disney princess tropes. So it's not like it, it doesn't even attempt to do the love story. Like they just go, look, let's just not this time. And it's no, great. They give that great moment where Maui and Moana first, not right when they first meet up, but pretty early on. And he calls her a princess and she's like, no, I'm the daughter of the chief. Someday I will be chief. Which is a great important lesson, but then he yeah. goes, "Nah, you're a little girl on an adventure, and you have an animal sidekick. You're a princess." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The animal sidekick, once again, though, isn't helpful, <laughs> which I like. <laughs> hey, hey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, he's helpful in that it's when Hey Hey goes off of. I just watched it last night, but when he takes off that's when the storm comes. She gets yeah. separated from the boat for the first time and then immediately- Oh after. yeah, he's got, he's got functional needs, but he's certainly not helping her. <laughs> like, you know, like normally there's like a little lizard and he's like, hey, pointing over here, do this thing and it'll help you like a deus ex machina or something. But this one's, he's, he's literally trying to kill himself. <laughs> it just gets in the way. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I would, like I said, we've talked about it a bunch. I love that movie so much. So that's cool. the only thing I've, I've been watching outside of. I, I like it. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed it far more than I thought I would. Um, it's in the category of like Paddington for me as yeah. a truly successful film doing exactly what it was planning to do. Yeah. So I like, I love it. It's good. Yeah. Yep, I think it executes, and even if it didn't, I would love it anyway, but I love it so much more because it, it really succeeds at a high level in, in so many ways. The music is excellent, the performances are great. The animation, yeah. I, I watched it with maybe a more critical eye to the animation this time. Okay. I, I don't know why, but it, um, I like it. it. It it definitely has a bit of an uncanny valley thing going, but yeah. the the grounded nature of the human bodies yeah. juxtaposed against the like the springs shooting up and the like the magical emerald it it lands for me you know i don't it works i like it that's cool that's cool i'm gonna give it another watch you've you've got me on board so that's good should we just uh watch it right now instead of recording yeah, the podcast? Okay. Let's, let's just watch it okay. and talk about that right. um, so here's our uh, moana all right let's get into <laughs> Synecdoche, New York. Yeah, so I don't know how to say that word. It, it is <laughs> Synecdoche. But I, I love the, the joke throughout the film of all the names of the, of the story. Right. Like coming up with, oh, I've got it, it's this. And then everyone's like, no, no. And then they're all terrible you know, titles. Like, yeah. what if the one where he's like, oh, it's, uh, I'm not going to remember, but it's like life and death and umbrellas or some shit like that. I, <laughs> Yeah, but I love that um, the the joke of trying to fit all of life into this play, and then it becomes well. If you're including all of life, you've got to include the making of this play, and then it like, you know, it it. You know, it, it did really well it with it. it far into synecdoche, this sort of this idea that you're pointing at, um, devs from last year did okay. a really good job with like. If the box contains a simulacrum, then the box contains the box. Yeah. <laughs> and if the box contains the box, what is the difference between the simulacrum and our existence? <laughs> yeah. It's an important question and one that this movie, I don't know that it ignores, but it's so much more interested in the, yeah. the personal. No, it, it, it assumes that it all works out. Like it goes, okay, there is a copy within a copy within a copy, and then it just goes, perfect. It's all working, don't think about it, and we'll go on with the rest. Like, so it kind of goes, assume that all of that works out and there's no holes in the, in like, you know, paradoxes or whatever, and just what does it mean if you've got all of this? And then, I, I love it. And the funny thing is, is that the, the layer on the top is that the movie really encompasses the feelings of what it's like to live a whole life. All of those feelings that you get throughout your life, like, you know, betrayal, uh, you know, like last, you know, like all of these things, they kind of tie into this film. So it kind of did kind of encapsulate a lot of human experience into one film, which is a film about trying to encapsulate human experience in a theater show, you know, like. It does, it 
certainly efforts largely towards that, but I'll hem a little bit here where I think it, Charlie Kaufman is a very talented writer and a very sensitive man, but it's quite presumptuous to think that you can write about your future self and projecting existence 40, 60 years into the future. We can do that from like maybe a technology standpoint, maybe a political standpoint, if we understand our history, but like our, our own specific experiences, there's no accounting for that. If you would have told me even 10 years ago that I would be here today, I probably wouldn't have believed you. So, but I think he acknowledges the pretentiousness of the, like at every turn in this movie, once again, with the comedy, like even though it's not uh, side splitting laughter as much this one, but it, it's certainly comedic and it's like. The one joke that like split my sides is the coffin and the line about like how there wasn't very much left of him. So they had to stuff the coffin with cotton balls so his bones wouldn't rattle around. <laughs> yeah. I laughed so hard at that moment. I had to pause the movie cause I didn't want to miss what was coming next. But just that idea is so absurd and ridiculous and hilarious. But I kind of need a little more of that. I actually feel like, I mean, obviously it's a very dour movie yeah, in subject matter and and treat harder than the previous ones. Much yeah, harder. and I I miss the humor. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, it's 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 much harder following. I mean, I I enjoy the absurdity. Like I I get a real like the sense of the ridiculous is really strong in me. So just seeing a weird ride keeps me on board. But the previous films all quite are quite tongue in cheek, but without being obviously tongue in cheek, you know, like they, they make a lot of jokes at themselves and then a lot of just actually funny jokes. And this one is a lot more like, yeah, like dour, like you say, like it, it is. It's it very is self-serious. What's that? It's very reflective and uh, it, it, you know, it's looking in on itself, but with a, with a sad eye, like it is. Yeah, but it's good. Uh, it's not a bad, bad film. I, I, I think well, it's. Me, a I don't think it's a bad film. I think it's a good film. Do you yeah. like this movie? Uh, I wouldn't watch it often, but I'm very glad I've watched it. Like you know, I'll I'll watch it if a friend wants to watch it again. I'll watch it sure. again. Sure. But like, I'm not uh, calling back to this film. Like I don't sit there like I I watched it earlier on, and then like thinking about you know, watching it again, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I don't need to see the whole thing. I'll click through to the bits or, you know, like. Sure. Um, I would, so follow-up question is then, would you recommend this movie to people? If they, yeah, yeah, I, I would, because Just I do think. Anybody should see this movie. Oh, no. No, not <laughs> no, You have to be on board with like, uh, like a mental arithmetic kind of thing. Like you have to kind of be like, okay, like if you're not in the right headspace, this movie would be horrific to watch because it's like, maybe uh, I'm not in the right headspace because I found, I, I didn't enjoy this movie largely. There are moments within it that I appreciated and we'll get to some of those, 
But more than not, I wanted it to be over. I think it made its point about halfway through, and then we have to watch it cycle around. There is a larger point to be made towards the end of it in terms of like art imitating life and life imitating art and where that transition is that I, I like and I come to appreciate. For me, it's, it's very heavy handed and, and presumptuous. You know, I don't think he comes anywhere near encapsulating human experience. No. He does even particularly well at elucidating our fear of death. And this movie is so incredibly focused on that for half of the movie and then almost bails out on that after the daughter dies. It, yeah. It but I think more interested in fatality, but not the, the body horror, the rot that we experience. I think it, for me anyway, like it's more of those feelings, good and bad, of being a human being in like work and in life and with family so for me it was the tones that came across so like the kind of mental masturbation thing where you're like oh pretentious doing the thing and then there's the questioning it and then there's the like uh uh being afraid but not wanting to admit it like you know like just it that's it all gets, stuff and that's all very human but adaptation does all of that and i'm enjoying my experience yeah 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 okay well i'm i'm with you because i just found it like so the thing that kept me on board was just the weirdness and the the jokes where it's like oh no he would never do that <laughs> and then like the that's the that's the actor talking to the other actor pretending to be the director and then like eventually they start telling the director he's not doing what he would do normally and like it, it kind well, of by the end the director is an actor and is <laughs> playing diane weist and it really folds in on itself and it's doing that from the beginning like the when he reads the the avian flu is in turkey yeah. kind of stuff it, it's all very reflexive and that's solid writing but i yeah I've said it. I think he makes his this point better in other places. Yeah, the, I think you seriously have to be open for this, though. Like, I, I, yeah, no, I would not recommend this without like you being like, oh, I really enjoyed this whole concept with weird, like, um, weird framing of a story and like uh, the the kind of analogous human emotions and then like the but it, yeah it's it's complicated and uh most people will, will hate this uh yeah and I, I don't know that that's unfair because the yep. i i view this centrally about mortality right okay okay and i didn't uh i really took it more as like the psyche so the the mortality note at the end was just a full stop, but the rest was uh, watching your children grow too quickly, uh, and then the feeling, die. Of, the feeling of not being with the right person. So and it's die. Like, well, yeah, but like, and he reads the obituaries to begin the movie. He spends the first half of the movie going to doctors, convinced that he's going to die. Okay, and then when he, I, I just. Of, I 
ahead and put that. that there's this moment uh when he is it when Catherine Keener comes back to New York and he's buzzing her apartment and he the name on the buzzer is Capgra and that's where we switch from like oh my own mortality to no it's still about mortality but it's less about the body and more about the spirit so it's a movie in two halves where at first we're dealing with the body dying and then in the second half we're de dealing with the soul dying right okay yeah all right uh yeah i mean i it's yeah it's 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 wildly wildly like optimistic that it's going to do this whole thing uh it's it's pretentious and it acknowledges that it's pretentious like the whole the whole infinite grant from some weird it's not infinite this is another problem that i have with the movie it's actually a very specific grant it's the macarthur genius grant and it is for one million dollars and then this dude spent and they say that in the text of this movie which is otherwise very magical and yeah. then he spends 20 years and i mean it had to be dozens of millions of dollars to create this thing to actually and we're both you know have done film production so we understand the budgets involved with this kind of project there's yeah. no way you did this for a million dollars i i just don't so whatever it is a very finite amount of money that he's given huh. and that, that's a mistake the illusion there is that it go ahead I didn't hear the million mentioned so i was like there's some grant and it's infinite <laughs> because because somebody's i was like what is this grant and then they like be better because yeah. the whole rest of the movie is so fantastic and like the elements even in our real life uh, our real life but like the house on fire that, that our main love interest oh. lives in that hazel is living within is literally yeah. burning the whole time and again we can have this you know fantastic tattooed woman and we can have the scene within the scene and we can't, there's so many fantastic elements it, i just think it's such a mistake to ground it to an a actual number figure and a real grant that a lot of people get you know yeah okay i don't know that grant um i guess it's just not being american or just yeah i think that might be american thing yeah I missed that concept so it was a made-up grant to me and i missed that the number was big so it was a fantastical it was a fantastical grant by some benefactor that technically was infinite and then you know the rest of it just grows from there i i did enjoy the firehouse because it was like that i i don't know i i mean it, it it's it's so how do you read that? that is there a symbolism there is it just something that you like to look at what what is your read on the the house on fire no, I, I took I took it as the like, um, it was on fire. They were. It's just like the the impending doom of that place burning down is why you can buy it for cheap. <laughs> but I just like the, the the changing of time. So you know, like he goes away for a week and his daughter is ten years older. You know, like mm -hmm. and then the I like that stuff a lot too. With the house on fire specifically, I'm wondering if there's maybe a, you know, the smoldering embers and the passion that, you know, I'm always carried a light for you kind of metaphor. Okay. Because I took it as a destructive thing. I took it as like dangerous, like uh, this unstable kind of situation. Like she was, 
buying the house, knowing it's dangerous, but I don't know. Like I, I, I yeah, it was, it was weird. Sense that she's like committing to her own destruction by buying a house as a single woman. And I don't know. yeah, it was okay. I, I mean, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not tracking that, but I, I like the visuals of it. I just couldn't, yeah, land the metaphor. No, maybe neither could I, it seems. <laughs> okay. Um, but something inside me stirred. Like, I enjoyed the slow house burn and everyone acknowledging it. <laughs> like, so that they're like, oh, what a good neighborhood. And it's like, yeah, you know, and like, I mean, that's because the house is on fire, you're getting it at a really good price. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling worried about the fire. And it's like, oh, it, it should be fine. You know, like, uh, in, these things just made me kind of something about it. I liked it. The surrealism of it all, I guess. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I appreciate the surrealism of it. I think I maybe want a little more yeah. or yeah, a little no, less because at the end, I'll, I'll go back down. to this point where, like, it's foolish to think that you can capture human experience in any piece of media, right? Yeah. It's just never going to happen. And that's why we slice them into specific stories that isn't a larger experience you know isn't that what the film talks about that he's trying to put it all into this little theater play and it's right but the only time it succeeds in doing that is when the the preacher at the funeral of the funeral gives a monologue after diane weist goes oh this shit is not working we need to straighten this out and make a movie out of it and yeah. tell a story so we're going to give somebody a monologue and create an image here. And it, we talked about this, you know, in, this is kind of his thing where it's like at a certain point, the movie crystallizes. Oh, and all these points become clear. This crystallizes, but it crystallizes so early on and then just continues to make the same point over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. That by the time we get to the preacher, and Diane Weiss, good advice of like, hey, let's actually do something entertaining. That his speech is good and that performance is good, but it's that that's the whole movie. I don't need, and maybe I'm being a little, I, I'm a writer. So these yeah. are issues that I've grappled with and kind of moved past. And there have been other movies where we've talked about it. I'm like, how do you do that? How do you make this thing so reflexive and and communicative and uh, deeply resonant to the human experience and the creative experience and the visual experience? He can really do all of those things. And for me, this one was just like, yeah, I heard it, buddy. I've seen this. You know, I don't need you to spend two hours going around in a circle on it. No, 100%. Especially because it's so limited in its scope of understanding. Yeah, okay. Because I did get a lot of emotional cues from it. like. So watching it, I'm like, okay, that's that's a like I, I just see it and I'm like, wow, yeah, I've had that feeling, or oh, that's intense, you know. But um I did find myself looking at my watch and I did <laughs> I did like get the point about like halfway through, I'm like, oh, okay, I see where this is going. And then you're watching more and it doesn't reveal a lot more. Like it it's different angles of the same story. It's like oh you know it's turned in on itself 
and then the bit that's turned in on itself turns in on itself again and it's kind of like a joke but that joke took an hour um and it's not funny it's not a good joke either and he's capable of writing good jokes there are good jokes in this movie but it, it's uh, and he's very funny he's i mean i still stand by like m almost all his films are comedies like strong comedies for me like <laughs> like apart from comedy no i'm saying up until this okay uh, his his writing style is very like yeah like poking fun at a lot of the way things are built and the way traditional sure. filmmaking happens and he, he's he, he, he pokes a lot of fun at the industry he's within, but uh, this one... And storytelling in general, and this is a humorous story. Yeah, but it... it, it I mean, maybe Philip C. Hoffman... Actually, we should do that, by the way, introduce all the people, because uh, um, we're talking about this film. There's a fucking huge cast. In it's going to be a 10-hour podcast to run down this cast, but yeah. we, we definitely <laughs> should, because... Philip Seymour Hoffman... And Kathleen, uh, Catherine Keener. Catherine Keener. Yep, do an amazing job. Uh, like Michelle Williams. I. I Michelle yeah. Williams is so good um, in this movie, and so is. I don't. Maybe I'm stretching here, but when Diane Weist comes in, I was like, "Oh, that's Annette Bening." Oh no no that's Michelle Williams in old age makeup and we're actually folding in ours. Oh no 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 no. It's an entirely different person that is again resonant of all of these people. Tom Noonan, I actually only know him from like weird things, I think. Like uh yeah. I, I got something to say about Tom Noonan, which okay. is that I think he is inverse Brad Pitt. He is one of the most talented actors to have ever lived, but he is so fucking weird looking that <laughs> yeah. he can only play a visage of death or a creepy stalker or Jack the Ripper in Last Action Hero. You know what I mean? Like, or uh, what is it? Is it Dollar Hide in Manhunter? Or is he Buffalo Bill? Whatever. I know him as uh, Eight Legged Freaks. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, and there's something else. I, I just I remember his. What was it? God. Yeah. No. There's. It's weird things for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, he mostly does weird things because he's a weird looking dude, and he understands that about himself. And so, at a certain point, like when he shows up for the third or fourth time, just following, but he's in the room with the daughter on his lap yep. and I'm like oh he's a vision of death that's really good casting for Tom Noonan and then when he yep. shows up as a real person and auditions it, it just is like that's where I got really excited I was like oh I'm, I'm into this movie now okay let's let's watch what happens here and then I really pretty quickly check out again because I'm like all right you're, yeah I like that idea though actually like that metaphors start casting themselves into it that would have been like quite strong actually like right. if you had i think that's what he's i mean that is what he's doing here these metaphors do become integral to his life philip seymour hoffman's life yeah. the plot of this movie synecdoche new york and our our own experiences as individuals you know like storytelling 
is narrative is a powerful force in our existence. So even if we aren't storytellers, even if we're not filmmakers, we all have the story of us, right? This not necessarily linear even, but just an experience of ourself that we try and communicate. And this movie is trying to do that. And when it's most successful, it's when Tom Newton is doing it. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Uh, so I don't know Tom Newton from, like, I know him from weird things, like you said, actually Jack the Ripper in Last Action Hero, um, well, Ripper. Um, right, and Ripper. Robocop, he was uh, Yeah, buddy bad guy and i remember that i think that's the first thing i know of him and then when eight-legged freaks happens i'm like hey it's the robocop 2 bad guy <laughs> you know um, i'd have to look up his filmography to call out some of my favorite performances of his uh but to mind there's an interview that he gave God, somewhere along the line, I, I'm sorry for the details here, folks, but he described his process of acting in terms of, he, he's a very sympathetic man, and I think that's really foundational to his process, and it's expert casting here because that's what this thing takes, that's what he's doing, is just trying to in, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm now. I'm being synecdoche, where I'm just like, no, no, no. He's the thing that is the thing, and that yeah. thing is the thing. You get it? I think, I think it, it, it loses itself on purpose, but it, 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 it's tough. It's a tough ride. Like if you're like, because it's purposefully losing the point of what you're watching, because the, the point is lost in the theater. You know, like it, it kind of. It's growing. It's more and about changing. that. What do you mean? Oh, so like the film, I felt like it was doing one thing at the start and then it kind of changes and then it changes, like, you know, but because it kind of keeps folding in on itself, uh, like you think, oh, this is the point or, oh, this is going to be the point. And then really like he doesn't come up with a name for, for his theater. He never releases it. The world kind of ends before anything happened, you know, like, like the story's arc like I, I guess i hadn't picked up the death analogy though but i i mean i had but i just took it as a like a full stop i was like oh yeah the like the uh, amalgamate all the bits and then at the end you die and nothing really is changed or different you know like but um yeah and i think that, that that's a powerful and important message you know and it, it calls to question sort of like well what <laughs> it's a conversation that i've had with some of my actor friends but this question of like well where do i stop and where does the role begin right mm. because acting is very much about it you know taking something external and putting it into your soul and making that a part of you so that you can convey this thing to the rest of humanity. And once you've taken something like that in, does it ever leave you? And there's some famous actors famously have done that, like uh, Jeff Bridges, uh, yeah, Jeff Bridges, the Big Lebowski. I hope he uh, heals and recovers well from his recent diagnosis. But he, once he played the dude, he kind of never went back. And then once he played Rooster Cogburn, 
in uh, uh, True Grit, it kind of like folded into the dude. And now he's just like this, you know, and Al Pacino is another famous example of that where once he got the wah, that just like became who he is now. That's right. Yeah. Like, so you're saying like the Scarface became, every other character had a hint of Scarface in the background of it. (laughs) Or like... What I'm saying is every character in this movie is Tony Montana. Yeah. Um, okay, but I mean, I, so I'm on, I'm, I'm with you. We had different experiences of this film, but I completely understand your frame point. Like, I'm not, I didn't find it a nightmare to watch. I did find it long, but I, I do, I, you know, I was kind of on board watching away. But uh, um, I can completely understand, like, the, it's not as enjoyable. Like, the, the previous films have all been so enjoyable to watch and so strong. Like, I, for me, anyway, like, I, I can watch Adaptation again this week. I can watch, um, you know, like, being John Markovich, I can watch any time I want. Like, that's, that's just ridiculous. So, I, you know, like, these films very rewatchable whereas this one is like a an experience and then you go okay <laughs> what's what's next <laughs> well and that's fair because he's really uh, you know it is about mortality and depression and imitation and you know things like that but they're I don't, I'm, I'm having a hard time expressing this point but the movies we've seen up until this point will go crazy and leave you little breadcrumbs that are, are pretty obvious. They're not little breadcrumbs. He's leaving like baguettes along the trail for you, but they don't feel like you're in a bake shop. <laughs> oh man, I'm lost in this metaphor, <laughs> but this one just feels like it's hitting you over the head with a loaf of bread. And it, no, I can get that. Like the the breadcrumbs, the breadcrumbs that he leaves are quite large, but it doesn't make you feel like you're being force fed. Like you're not, you're not like it's not an obvious. Like you don't, you feel smart when you pick them up. Like you're like, oh, I found another breadcrumb. Like oh, yeah. look at me go. Like you know, it keeps you kind of feel like you're you're part of the journey, working it out. Um, whereas this one is like just. It's just like, here's the analogy, whack, whack, um, you know. Yeah, I wonder if that has to do with, like, do you sympathize with Caden, with Philip Seymour Hoffman? No. Do you sympathize with anybody in this movie? No. Um, It's very, uh, okay, so there are are moments in Caden's life where you're like, oh, that that feeling of rejection or something, you kind of put yourself on that but uh most of most of his decisions are crazy oh i don't know (laughs) well and yeah most of his decisions are not decisions and i they're reactions right um which is fine is it oh you know it's tough to do a passive protagonist that's a, a challenging character to write we you know just mentioned the big lebowski right he's only a reaction to the forces in his life yeah. um 
this dude is only ever a reaction to himself. And somebody calls him out on that. Is it Hazel who's like, no, it's Tom Noonan right before he jumps off the fucking building. is like, yeah. you only ever looked at yourself. Now look at something else. And that's an important message also. But again, that, that has been said in adaptation. Get the fuck out of your head and make a movie about these issues instead of just spinning on these issues. Yeah. You know what? It feels like a real blank check kind of movie. Uh, yeah. Borrow a term from the podcast we are totally ripping off. <laughs> yeah. Because... Yeah. It's, I see what you're saying. Like, he was like, okay, what if you had, what if you had a crazy grant that could just pay off what you're up to? Well, and, and he does. At this point mean. in his career, he's like, adaptation and eternal sunshine are like, uh, bestow, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, you know, important movies in the oeuvre of modern cinema. Being John Malkovich has its place also, and so does Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, but I think Eternal Sunshine and Adaptation are widely considered to be works of genius or important cinema, right? And so after doing something like that, you get, in Hollywood, you get yeah. the chance to do whatever you want. Yeah. And the thing that he did was, you know, more of the same, and, and, and that's kind of every creator, right? We, we so have these... What you're saying is he probably should have gone and made a film about the southern states of America and <laughs> yes. time travel and The Rock. Is that like... <laughs> you get me. No, yeah. I mean, and, and to that end... Oh, all right, so let's draw out and just talk about filmmaking. I think filmmaking, one, the magic of it is that it is a collaborative process and it's one of the maybe the only medium where an artist can create something that is so powerful that it exceeds their own expectations of creation because we all get to view this and encounter it and create along with it because we're in it right okay so it, like you know paintings don't do that yeah music does that but I think there's something to the collaborative process of movie making. And I might have a good idea and you might have a clearer vision on what I'm trying to say. Ah, okay. I like that. I like that because like somebody can have a brilliant idea, but no means, no means to display it. And someone can be amazingly clear at displaying the idea, but doesn't have it. So you, you kind of have to bring people together to build these images. But sometimes someone thinks they've got a clear idea and they don't. And someone, you know, like it. Right. And you're describing like the, the actual collaborative sort of in the room pre-production process. or Sorry, the production process. But I, I'm talking a little more in terms of like um, synergy and like, let's just get some ideas bouncing around in a writer's room fashion. And then all of a sudden this thing really crystallizes. Well, oh man, I just heard a story speaking of blank check where they talked about the, um, the phantom, uh, the oh. Billy Zane movie. From... Yeah. Yeah. So that script was written by Joe Dante, but then Joe Dante was not available when they finally got around to 
screening it or to shooting it. Yeah. So they brought in another director who did not know that Joe Dante had written a comedy. And that's why that movie is bad. <laughs> so just on that, I think I used to like that film. Well, but enjoyable. In the same way that I like a lot of weird films. Like, it wasn't what I was expecting to watch. So I went to that film as a teenager or a, or a youth thinking, it's a superhero movie. And then I watched it and I'm like, what the hell is this <laughs> And um, yeah, it's weird, man. And I, I think, I think I'd just seen, I'd seen too many movies that are all the same. So every time something's weird or not what I was expecting, like if I'm, if I'm watching a film, I kind of plan it out what I think it's going to be before I watch it, just out of habit. And when well, a film- that's. If I didn't, so this was the first viewing of this movie for me. Okay. But I was aware of its existence and kind of what it's trying to do. So yeah. I also say that if I didn't know that he was creating the play within the play, if that hadn't been described to me previously, I don't think I would have realized that until almost the third act. There's oh. a lot of this movie, even when, if you know what's happening, I just felt the whole time like the ground was not underneath me, where I'm like, oh. I'm kind of into some of this stuff, but I, I don't know where it connects to each other and why they're juxtaposed. This was my first viewing of Synodictic. <laughs> um, uh, and I had no idea of what the story was. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, like, so I, I really didn't know what I was getting into starting this film, really. Like, I was just like, I don't know what this is. And then watching it, I was like, oh, okay. So, I, but I picked it up pretty quickly that okay. they were making that. Yeah, but I, I so it gets quite su supernatural quite quickly, but then it kind of just assumes it. Like, so the daughter aging in a week, that happens. And then you're like, is it is it a ploy or is it real like so i was a bit confused at the start as to whether actually everyone was growing old and time was wrong or if he was just getting like tricked no i i assume that's a commentary on perspective yeah you know? yeah no i, I just way. i'm just telling you where i was at the start of the film i was like what is this film about so i was trying to work out what that was Obviously, it, it, it revealed itself later on, but um, uh, yeah, it was, but I, I yeah, okay. So I, I picked up that as soon as I saw the stage with the mini New York inside, I was like, oh my God, okay. And then all the actors going to their apartments and they're building, the, you know, um, yeah. I, I, yeah. Picked it up straight, yeah, but anyway, yeah. It, it's I, a weird. I, I, yeah, I, I'm maybe a little glad that I had knowledge going into it because I, even knowing what it was, I just felt a little like, I don't, what is this the whole yeah. way? All right. Uh, there's also a chance that I was just in the right mood and it, like, you know, sometimes. Well, and in the just... full disclosure, man, there's a very good chance I'm in the exact wrong mood because we yeah. are recording this two days after election day 2020 in the states yeah. and, and that affects my psyche yeah yeah it really does yeah. and, and to that end actually i found some moments in this movie where i was like oh there's like 
the military in the streets and people wearing gas masks. And that's just not even a part of this movie, <laughs> you know, like what happened at the edges of this story? What is the future for this man? It yeah. gets really pretty bleak, you know? Yeah, the the revolution and everything. Yeah. And and the fact that they're like loading them into the buses that say Funland and yeah. I I it it is very existential. I I respond to that. I really do. Um especially in the context of of this moment, you know, where we're trying to extrapolate what what's coming next, you know, what do we do about this? And the statement is, well, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you do about it because you're just going to die. And some of the things you do will be very meaningful, but a lot of them just won't be at all. Oh, wow. So that, and I'll just sum it up by saying like that, I really like the messaging of this movie. I think it's the stuff that it's trying to say is important and needs to be said and will be helpful to people who want to understand themselves and this world better. I just didn't enjoy the movie very much. It feels a little bit like a kind of an, it's a little shallow to call it a collection of references, but it, it does feel very much like the tattooed man and the yellow wallpaper. And okay. um, what's the other uh, Raymond Chandler fucking, oh, sorry, that's not right. Um, anyways, I'm, I'm going to move beyond my literary illusions because I am not an English major. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think that's fair. I, was on, I watched all the way through. It didn't kick me out, which some, like, to be honest, I get through most films, but sometimes a movie just, yeah, just is unwatchable. But this one was watchable for me, but I can, like, it, it's certainly, like, tiring. Like, you get to the end and you're like, oh, my God. That was, like, and then the, the, the it feels long. <laughs> it feels long and it feels, like, feels like, is is long and then you're, you're you're already like you kind of pick up that he's going to start playing someone else about in the first act maybe i think he is he doing cleaning of the apartment yeah like very early on that's that's kind of his first break and that's where i start to wonder that that scene comes right after he's describing the difference between psychosis and psychosis to his daughter and so that's the point where I'm like, oh, is this like a reality break situation? Is this a Jacob La Jacob's Ladder? Has he been dead the whole time? Where, where does yeah, the story so start within the story kind of thing? It revealed that quite early, so you knew where he was going to end up. And then when you get to the third act and he ends up there, you kind of expected something on top of that because it was so obvious what it was going to do. And then it, it, just, mm -hmm. it just, and you just watch it do it, and then you watch it mean anything, and I. Yes, that's a good analogy of life, but it was, it was tiring. <laughs> I mean, that's what I said earlier. Where it's like, well, this whole thing could be summed up in the speech from the preacher at the funeral. And I'm a lot bored by most of this movie. And it, that's, I'll circle back to the cast. That's a crazy thing to say in a movie that features Philip Seymour Hoffman, Catherine Keener, Michelle Williams, Tom Noonan. We haven't even talked about Jennifer Jason Lee or Emily Watson. Yeah. 
Diane Weiss. And then, like, I'll just start going down the list here. I'm not going to, but it, after that, it's all revered stage actors, you know? Tony winners and incredible, incredible performers. Yeah, no, it's big. But and that's, that's Alan the Drummond is this in this movie as a character called actor number three. That's how deep this cast list goes. Yeah. Yeah. And that in itself feels like it's kind of pointing at itself again because he's got such a huge cast hired for this thing that never really gets made and it's all crazy. And what is this? You know, and then the actual film's a bit like that. There's so many people and like, who are they? And why, why have you got this amazing actress playing a two-second piece? And you know. that, that works for me. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of into that. Like I said, when Diane Weiss shows up, I really had a, a visceral moment of like, wait, which character is this? And who does this represent in the psyche? What is yeah. happening right now? I think that's all very, very effective. I, yeah, I... It's interesting because this movie clocks in at around two hours. I almost think I want, like, I, as bored as I was, I kind of want, like, another 30 minutes. Is that, maybe it needs to be a little more tonal? That's crazy. Am I wrong? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I'm, like, the more we've talked about this, the more I'm, like, maybe I watched it, like, in a different, yeah, like, I think we watch different films. <laughs> like, so I've got to like, I've got to work this out. Like maybe I missed, I was just probably in a really good place and just be like, la, la, la. and maybe like, yeah, I've got a, it's a different. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think there's a, a prop myself up and then watch it again. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would also like to watch it again uh, and see how it, it kind of grows on me. Cause there is a lot that I really like. Catherine Keener to go back to performances is like so contemptible, but her physicality, she's so yeah. like slinky and lazy and you know, I don't know. And then like the <laughs> the fight scene with Jennifer Jason Lee, where you're like, why isn't anybody stopping this? Oh, because it's a fairy tale. None of this. And so again, the not again, but the diary, his daughter's diary, right? Yeah, and it's writing itself as he, he's holding it. He's writing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not writing itself. He's writing it. And yeah. so then I come to the point of like, oh, no, no, he's not only writing this play within the play, he's writing this whole movie, which is why he can punch a woman in public and not go to jail. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think I just need another viewing at some point. I think I do too. I want to say only one last thing about it, which because I do want to finish on a positive note. I think there's a lot in here to like, and I think it's grappling with important things, but ultimately unresolvable things. Actually, there's a, a critic, uh, Matt Zollerseis. Do you know this guy? No. He, he's a very good writer. And he recently referred to, I, I don't even remember what it was, but he used the phrase resist summary. And oh, yeah. that's, I mean, you're talking about human, human nature, right? Yeah. Human, the human condition, the totality of the human experience resists summary. You can't yeah. put that in a movie. And this really tries to put that in a movie. And because of the like at odds nature of it, for me, it, it doesn't come together as many of the pieces that I like 
in assembly, it just doesn't add up to a whole for me. At least it didn't this time. But yeah. where it maybe succeeded most strongly, and I, I just criticized it, so I guess I'm backtracking here. But the the fact that he's like building this play, this stage, it it's so confusing for so long, and then it does kind of crystallize in the end. And it to me, it was evocative of the creative experience, right? Where you like, you know, you have this thing to say, and you know, it's important to say, and you know that everybody, not everybody, but you know that people will respond to it and identify with it, but you don't know what that is. And you don't know how to do it because it's a literal creative process. You're taking a nothing and making a something. And that's just so, go ahead. So you're saying that for this, like he's, that's a success or that's the I, I think it is one of the successes of the movie okay. because by the end it it does build to a thing and I think that's most expressively conveyed through the staging and the set design where when we first get to this like I, I don't know a wind tunnel airplane hangar that he rents you're like, oh, yeah. what is this fucking thing? And they have all their meetings in the locker room for a while. And then towards the end, you're like, it's, it's a city. Look, you can see building. You can see characters. There's a thing coming together. So it, that spoke to me. That reminded me of the faith necessary to create. And I like that. All right. All right. Well, I, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I think we've come – We've, we've watched this film, but really taken very different things from this and like, but uh, yeah, it's good. I, I, I'm, in, I'm excited, but I, like, I, I, I like what, you, what you're saying and there are moments of like things to question, things to look into. So I, I, I probably will watch this film again, but uh, it's not high on my recommendation list to a lot of people. Like, um, yeah, but now I'm going to have to watch it again right now. <laughs> yeah, okay.